We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Locker Room Production. Now we got Dan. He's in now. Hey, Dan, you got me? Yep. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another Locker Room Big Blue Banter live Q&A. We're excited to do this one. We just got finished recording an excellent interview with an all-22 addict. That's right. That's what he refers to himself as. This dude must have watched, I don't know, thousands of hours of all-22 game film on these 2021 NFL draft prospects. So we're excited to drop that one. But before we do that, we're excited to join all you listeners and everybody else who's a fan of the show for this live Q&A. How you doing tonight, Nick? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. We already got a speaker request, so we're going to bring him in. Now we're going to bring Christian in. Christian, what's going on? Hello, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I got you, bud. What's up, Christian? Hey, guys. I had to kind of wipe the dust off my iPhone 6S Plus so I can get on because uh, no Android yet. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I respect the hustle, man. That We really appreciate that kind of hustle just to get on the show. Awesome, man. What do you got yeah. for us, man? So we talk, we're talking – everything right now is draft talk and understandably so, but uh, – you know, as far as the Giants go, the team only goes as far as Daniel Jones goes. So what do you guys see as far as what he needs to improve, like X's and O's wise, to make that Josh Allen kind of jump into year three? Well, I think the the additions is definitely going to help. But just from an X's and O's standpoint, I think being a little bit more decisive and a little bit better with reading some defenses and getting through his progressions. Cause there were times on film and Dan and I brought it up on the all 22 where there was a concept and there was somebody open, but you see him just give a little pause and it's not something that's overly consistent in his film, but I did see it kind of happen. And it usually happened in the middle of the fields on throws that 
Dan and I have both seen him make time and time again. So sometimes there's just a little bit of indecision in those situations, especially in zone coverage. I felt like he did a much better job against zone coverage. Even this season, the statistics doesn't necessarily bear that out, but he did struggle against zone coverage in year one in Pat Shermer's system. So I think that would definitely be one thing that he can probably refine and get better is just being a little bit more decisive in that area and getting the football out of his hands. Yeah, I would echo that, what Nick said. I think the biggest issue for Jones was he tended to lock on to his first read. And this is an issue for a lot of quarterbacks at every level, no matter what year they're in. And I thought it was interesting, too. I recently heard a podcast with Jason Garrett, Giants offensive coordinator. It was with, I believe, Morton Anderson, a, a former kicker with the Giants. It was Morton, one of the Anderson kickers. I thought, I think it was Morton. But what Garrett said on the podcast, which I found interesting, is he said he really needs Daniel in year two to stop thinking so much. And this was according to Jason. And I think ultimately it depends which way you want to go with this. If you want to take Jason's side of it, I'm sure Daniel has another side of it. Because let's be quite honest, in year one with Daniel Jones and Pat Shermer, he did a lot better. And he saw that system a lot better. And he saw the field a lot better with Pat Shermer. And in my mind, the system was a lot more quarterback friendly than Jason Garrett's. But taking Garrett at his word, he said that Daniel Jones needs to stop thinking so much. And that could be something, too, where, you know, Daniel is overthinking. He's trying to find the perfect read every time or he's trying to find the perfect situation on every snap. So hopefully the hope is that the game will slow down a little bit more for him in year two of the same system. This was something the Giants really made important this offseason. They made it a point that they did not want to go to a new system again for Jones and make him learn his fourth system in the last four years, uh, you know, coming from Duke as well, or his third system, I should say, in the last three years. So hopefully that will change and he will improve that processing. But that's what it is for Jones. Me and Nick don't have concerns from, with Jones from a from an arm standpoint. We think he can make all the throws. He, we obviously have all seen his athleticism as a runner, but it's the processing. That's what it comes down to. It's the mental processing. It means the, it's why Tom Brady is still able to be such an effective quarterback at this age. And so hopefully that will improve in year two. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, the first Eagles game – I remember you bringing it up specifically, Dan, that uh, it was like a 95-yard drive that he led down the field, the one that put him up like 11 points or whatever it was. And that took time off the clock, and I was like, oh, man. He just really – they started on – it was like about 95 yards. I remember the exact length of the drive, and I was like, man, this game would have been won if it wasn't for that Evan Ingram drop. So we, we were like so high on him after that game, and then after that it was that Bucks game, and he missed so many – wide open now I wouldn't say wide open throws but you know what I mean throws that he customarily makes like on playing on chef so it's almost like Jones was like an enigma you know what I mean like kind of like Evan Ingram but not to that extent obviously but you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah, not so many games where he we were so high on him and then just other games like <laughs> but at the same time we can't blame him because I mean if we go back to like the Bears game it was like the second play of the game and he gets strip sacked on his blind side so it's like <laughs> I can't. We can't even be mad at him sometimes. Yeah, that that Bucks game was was a tough one because that one was kind of. It's never solely on one person, but it, it was almost solely on Daniel Jones because there were several uh, reads that he miscalculated, several throws that he missed, and even through all of those mistakes, he set the team up for a two point conversion attempt, and he had Deion Lewis wide open in the flat, and he just was indecisive and just didn't pull the trigger on time. So it was just like, oh, that, that was a very frustrating watch. And, of course, it came on national television, Monday Night Football. Every person who doesn't study the Giants is watching it. So now that 
I guess the conception is probably a little bit worse of what Daniel, who Daniel Jones actually is, but he still needs to show some things, man. And this is uh, one of those years that he has to prove that he can be this, this quarter or this quarterback that can lead the giants to hopefully the playoffs and hopefully even more. And I'll add to that. I think that that Bucks game was quite clearly Daniel Jones worst individual performance of his career. But I think the good news on that front is that it was probably the only time that I've seen through his first two seasons that he actually looked rattled and it looked like what the Bucks were doing, which was, by the way, they pressured him on 79% of the snaps, which is unbelievably high. It was the most any quarterback was pressured in any single game all season long. So the game plan was simple. Put, press up and pressure him. And it did rattle him. But the good news is I didn't really see that at any other point in his career. And it did kind of affect his ball placement that night. You saw him miss plenty of potential big plays on, on you know, throws over the top but I think that's something that won't be as big of a factor I'm hoping next year if the offensive line is all right and you know with the addition of Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay to the offense and potentially you know Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle as well so hopefully that's something you'll see an improvement in as well and if you guys don't mind because I want to respect uh you know other people's time that if they want to talk but uh you know the uh like what's going on now with the at the top of the draft now? Obviously, the Jets are going to take a quarterback, and the 49ers probably are. So there's a good chance four to five quarterbacks are going to be taken before the Giants pick. So I mean, I'm going to put you guys both in the spot on the spot, kinda. If Devonte Smith, Rashawn Slater, and Kyle Pitts are all sitting there, who do you guys choose? At Ooh, okay, I'll go first. I mean, who would I choose? Honestly, I think Kyle Pitts is probably the, the best player available in that situation. So I lean that direction. But I, honestly, I, I think the, the fall off with Rashawn Slater isn't enough for me to not want to address something that could really sure up what, in my opinion, is probably the biggest liability on the well, – definitely the biggest liability on the offensive side of the football – which is the offensive line. So I think I may be leaning Rashawn Slater, to be honest. But uh, um, if there's, um, I reserve the right to flip-flop in that situation. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, it's funny. I, I like this question a lot. I love all these kinds of questions. Is what would you do? What would you not do type questions? I wish we got more of these. So that really, I thought these were all amazing questions. I like the fact that we dove into Daniel Jones a little bit, someone we really haven't talked about, I feel like, or no one's asked us about in months. So that was cool for me. It's also cool because it's so rare these days that me and Nick disagree. We're really on the same page, it seems like, with the Giants. Maybe that's because we're watching the same film. Maybe that's hive mind. I hope it's more of the former and not the latter. But I would actually pretty much wholeheartedly be moving in the Kyle Pitts direction. I would love Slater as the consolation prize in that regard. But for me, BPA is always most important, no matter what, unless it's running back or IDL. And to me, Kyle Pitts, I said at the beginning, I thought it was going to be the case. The more I watch, the more I'm clear about it. I thought he was going to be one of the one or two players I think is the best in this class that's a non-quarterback. And now I'm more convinced. I get more convinced by the day. And so if you're getting one of the, the best or second best player in this class at 11 overall, unless he's a running back, I'm interested. Or unless he's an IDL who doesn't, push, who doesn't pass rush that well, I'm interested. So to me, I would probably slightly lean Pitt. So I feel like we're, we're sort of disagreeing, but mostly agreeing here. Nick would seem yeah. like would slightly lean Slater. I would slightly lean Pitts. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to answer my questions. Uh, Nick, I just want to say that that mock draft on Big Blue View, sign me up for that. Oh, yeah. 24-7, like, <laughs> I want that draft so bad. <laughs> Dude, Chris is getting roasted in the uh, in the Slack channel for his draft. 
<laughs> so it's a it's a good time over there. Why is Chris getting roasted? Who did he put out there? Um, honestly, I didn't hate his draft. He actually ended up getting Zavian Collins in the second round, which I was fine with. But in the first round, he drafted J.C. Horn, and yeah, we at eleven trades down. And I like J.C. Horn as a player, but you Me know too. there was so many other va- so much other value there. Where and, would you even uh, put Horn? What would he, what would happen? Uh, in that situation, I think J.C. Horn would become that third cornerback, and maybe the Giants can run a lot of um, dime situations, maybe even move J.C. Horn outside, put a Dory Jackson in at the other uh, other slot, but then you can, you're can you just opening yourself up to be run on a lot you're of the time. You're also burying Darnay Holmes. Well, Darnay Holmes would play the other slot in the dime situation. Oh, uh, yeah, if you're in dime, I mean. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How often are they going to be in dime, though? <laughs> exactly my point. And plus, you're just saying, hey, run the football on me, please. <laughs> yeah, and then what about Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, and Jabril? Yeah, I know. It's it's that's why uh, that's why he's getting roasted. All right, Christian, uh, thank you so much, bro. And uh, we're gonna bring in Victor. Was next, Victor. What's going on, bro? Hey guys, how are you tonight? Doing, we're doing well, man. What what uh what kind of dog is that in the picture? <laughs> that's actually my sister's mutt. Uh, it's a uh, it's some kind of dog. I don't know, but she uh, it's a rescue, and she. Uh, she loves it. If I get near the dog, it growls and tries to bite me. So, <laughs> but anyway, I think it's adorable. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire. 
Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, um, just uh, hello to you guys and hello to everybody who is in the locker room tonight. You got a good crowd. You, you know what I was I was thinking about is, um, you know, the Giants need talent, and that's not a big surprise. Right? You know, over years and years, they just need talent. And I've been thinking about, you know, this is the, 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 the thing that Gettleman will never do, trade back. But we we don't need one guy. We need like 11 guys on the team all over. Um, if you were willing to trade back, here's a hypothetical. If you were willing to trade back, how far would you be willing to trade back in the first round? Would you be willing to go back 15 or would you wouldn't want to go any further back than 20, 25? Depends on the compensation for me. So I would need yeah. a little bit more context, but just to, just to have fun. Ideally, I would yeah. like to probably stay in the teens. If I'm starting to dip my toes into the 20s, the compensation better be really, really nice. And I would imagine somebody's probably trading up for a quarterback, which you would imagine all five are probably gone at that point. But maybe Justin Fields falls. Who really knows what exactly is going to happen? But again, you know, a couple of years back, we did see the Pittsburgh Steelers trade up uh, to the Denver Broncos and select Devin Bush. So could that happen for someone like a Micah Parsons? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I would want to stay probably in the teens. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I think I'm spot on with Nick here. I would want to stay in the teens. But having said that, I am intrigued by the idea. If you're going to move down, I think if the Giants do make a trade down, it's a lock. They're going to get an edge. They're going to go for an edge. So if that's the case, I almost feel like the edges the Giants are going to want are not the same edges Mm. that a lot of other teams are going to want because the Giants run such a different, unique system on defense. So the two edges I think that the Giants really might want are Zizo Jalari and Jason Oa from Penn State. And if that's the case, I feel like you can get those guys a little deeper than maybe you can get a Quiddy Pay or maybe you can get a Jalen Phillips or maybe a Gregory Rousseau, though I'm not so sure he's even kind of in that conversation anymore. So Ultimately, for me, I'd be if you're going to move down. I think we know the writing's on the wall. It will be for an edge, and so I, I'm a little less hesitant to move uh, so much further back. I guess. Yeah, I think that's the right choice. And uh, Nick, you mentioned uh, Michael Parsons. I don't know if you guys heard Rick uh, Saratella, the guy from the Draft Bible. He was he was on another show, and he had some extremely cautionary words about Michael Parsons. I did did not hear that, to be honest. I'm guessing it has something to do with the incident that happened at Penn State a couple years back. So so actually, he he didn't say specifically. I think it was beyond that, just the way he was kind of being elusive about it. He wouldn't say exactly what it was. The guy definitely is in the know, and he might be a good guy to maybe get on your show. But he was asked point blank, would you draft Parsons at 11? And he said no. I'll say this. I don't know too much about Rick. I assume, you know, I'll take your word for it that he's in the know. Yeah. I will also say that. Please draft Bible guy. He's the draft Bible guy. Sure. I'm not actually very familiar with draft Bible, but I'm sure they do solid work. I'm not okay. trying to disparage him by any means or say anything without regard because I really don't know him at all. But I will say this as far as what you hear around this time of the year, there is a lot of misinformation. There's mm. going to be rumors that are leaked on purpose to drop guys. I know this for a fact. Mm. I've heard this, that this is an mm. absolute fact from John Fox, who's a former head coach in the NFL who told me this specifically. I also have heard this from 
another GM who asked to tell, who asked to stay off the record, who I'm not going to name, but John Fox said it was cool to say that. Um, he specifically talked about the Leonard Floyd situation, by the way, with the Giants, where they knew for a fact the Giants were going to take Leonard Floyd if they didn't trade up uh, to get him before the Giants selected him, and ultimately that led to Eli Apple. But I digress. That's in the past. But I will say this regarding Micah Parsons. I have heard some similar concerns, and it's not specific to that incident at Penn State. What I've heard is if you draft Micah Parsons, you're going to need a handler. And what that means is like somebody who on your coaching staff is going to kind of be with him, walk, work with him. And it's not that he doesn't love football. I think they're more concerned with kind of you know, managing him on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And ultimately, it's kind of what's led me to think like he's not in the Giants' plans at all at 11. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've kind of soured. Not soured, but I've just started to think less about what he would be like in Patrick Graham's defense, started to think less about the possibility of him calling off the board to the Giants at 11 because I just don't know if they're going to make that move so soon after DeAndre Baker and so soon after that. There's so much recent, not recency, but yeah, recency bias, I guess is what you could call it. But there's so much of that. If you're a team that drafts DeAndre Baker and you get burned like that, are you willing to take another chance on something that could happen again? It's, it's tough to know, especially because, you know, we did have Coach Spencer who worked with him. But that also might be the insight that they need to say, don't go in that direction. So uh, who knows? But I think it's definitely worth considering. Okay, you guys are best. Have a good evening. Hey, take care, Thanks Victor. for joining us, Victor. Alrighty, so we have oh man, Brand left. He was here and now he's gone. So we got no, what the avocado. Hell? I don't know, man. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. I'm not really 100 percent sure. But we have our guy Avocado Todd. Todd, what's up, bro? We there, Todd. Todd going once. <laughs> Todd going twice. All right, Todd, you can jump in whenever. But we're gonna bring in the next guy, which is Dom. Dom. What's up, man? Oh, there's no way Dom's not here. There's no shot Dom's not here. Did something happen to our connection? Oh. Hello? Oh, we got Dom here. Oh. Grant, we're going to get you in next, man. All right, Dom, what's going okay. on, bro? So my question is, um, of all these edge guys, I know that there's – I know that they're not – they're not uh, shoo-ins, but how many of them would you say would be able to start – day one if Simenez or Lorenzo Carter are not back by day one. I think that's interesting. I think Quiddy Pay could. I know he doesn't necessarily translate uh, as much to the system, but I still think he's talented enough to. I think Aziz Ojolari. I think Jalen Phillips. Uh, and that's kind of the three that I would say I'm comfortable saying. That's I'm it? To, uh, um, no, there's probably other ones. I don't have a list uh, necessarily in front of me. I'm sure someone like a uh, maybe even a Gregory Rousseau could be put into that position, but I'm talking about like no, you know, no crap, definite kind of starters who can kind of step in. Because as of right now, it looks like our edge, if if they're not healthy and ready for game one, would be who? Would be Ryan Anderson and Coughlin? Ryan Anderson uh, the, oh, Denegbo, probably. Oh, Denebo. Well, I think oh, it's okay. important. To, I think it's also important. To, it would be Odenegbo would get in the mix. I think it's important to note, like this is not a traditional defense with Patrick Graham. They run so many different variations of their defense at the second and third level that there's. I don't really think that there's going to be a locked in starter unless they do go up and take one at eleven 
or trade back a few picks and take one at 14, 15, 16 range. I don't necessarily think there's going to be some guy who's out there for 100% of the snaps because it just doesn't really work. And this system is so unique and it's so diverse based on the down and distance. And they had so many different guys play edge last season. And some of that was due to injuries like you talked about, Dom. But some of that was just due to down and distance and, and just strategy and coaching and what they felt was best for that specific situation. So I don't know personally if I think there's anyone. I, I think what Nick said is right. Like, I, I wouldn't feel confident, too confident, in basically anyone he mentioned with the exception of maybe Oa, and that's just a total pure projection. Like You just put him on the edge, and you have that burst come right off the edge, right around the end, and you use him in stunts and loops and stuff like that. But ultimately, I think Nick's right. Like I, This is not a good edge class. There's no good edge classes. Almost every edge class sucks. Like that's This is why everyone thought Chase Young was such a prize last draft because it's like the position you'll never find. It's kind of like if a Rob Gronkowski entered the draft again and you knew he was going to be Rob Gronkowski, like you knew Chase Young was going to be elite. You'd take him because he can block and he can catch from that inline tight end position. These are st- st- it's things you just don't find ever. So ultimately, I- I'm with Nick. I don't really feel too confident in this edge class being immediate. So if you don't everything. feel so if you don't feel comfortable with any of them, would you? Basically, would any draft pick in the second and third round be just a shot in the dark and hope? That edge? Well, well, the way you framed the question, Dom, was just start day one. There's a lot of these guys that I like as prospects that I feel like can kind of come in and not start day one, but be developed You know, by maybe game five, six. They get used to the speed of the NFL. They learn the defense, and they get a little bit maybe better against the run, get a little stronger at the point of attack. Then they could possibly step in and start. So that's the way I was kind of like – going at your question like there are there are guys like Carlos Basham who are a little bit bigger type of guys guys who can kick inside on passing downs that I do like he's the pass rusher from Wake Forest I think Joe Tryon is an interesting uh, guy maybe a little bit later in the draft who the kid from Washington who has solid quickness off the line of scrimmage and things like that so there are players that I'm not saying the Giants shouldn't draft them by any means but I just may not be super comfortable with them starting in week one so it sounds like there's going to be uh, but very much of a mix. I bet you there'll be guys that will be drafted way earlier than everyone expects and guys that will be drafted way later because I think it's, I think it's going to be more of, um, more of a beauty in the eye, the eye of the beholder thing. Some people might just fall in love with an edge and some guys might just get lost. You know? Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on there, Dom. And I think to answer your question, I kind of feel like, yes, the answer is yes. When you're taking an edge after the early top, sometimes five or ten picks and that's it. You're really, in my mind, throwing a dart. For every Danil Hunter that the Vikings found, I think there's 10 to 20 of the dude the Patriots got a couple years ago. I'm forgetting his name. Well, I wanted the Giants to get. He ultimately ended up sucking. The kid from uh, Youngstown State. Um, you remember oh, Derek Rivers. Derek Rivers. So I was like, oh, my God, the Patriots got Rivers. What a steal. What a value. And he's nothing. I mean, when you're taking an edge, you're throwing a dart. This position is really hard to find. It's incredibly hard. That's why an asset like Young is so valued by so many people. I, I reiterate that because I think it's true. So, yeah, well, to answer your question, I do think you're taking a dart throw, but you have to. I mean, sometimes you have to take – how else are you going to find these edges? You can't find them in free agency. And so, you, yeah, you have to take a dart throw occasionally. Yeah, and I think that – I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants take one because they just see something that they like. But I just wanted to just end off with giving – um with giving Dave Gettleman a bit of a pass on one thing that I know he always gets a little bit of slack for. He, he always gets a little bit of, of slack for the Dexter Lawrence pick at 
17. I just wanted to say that, that he probably was interested in Brian Burns, who got picked one pick earlier. And going into the draft, Montez Sweat had a bit of, had, had a heart issue that I'm not saying that's why they didn't pick him, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's why they didn't pick him. Yeah, I mean, ultimately. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I remember that was a reason why Montez Sweat fell. I was was at the Senior Bowl. I was interning for the Senior Bowl that year. With uh, when Montez Sweat was down there, and like the that guy was treated so much differently than everybody else that was at the Senior Bowl. Like he, he, the guy, they were treating him like he could walk on water. He was that kind of prospect. But once that heart issue came up at the combine, he wasn't being talked about in the top ten anymore. wasn't being talked about in the top fifteen anymore. And honestly, Washington got a steal, and they still invested a first round pick on him. But people are weary about these heart issues. Yeah, of course, and that's why I think that I don't, I don't think that, I, I don't think that Gettleman should get like so much slack for that. Because he was the guy that was the only guy that was drafted at that point. And if he was healthy, then, of course, he could get knocked for it. But a lot of teams passed on sweat because of the hardest show. No, yeah, that's, that, that's the reason, Dom. Yeah, right, yeah, I don't, I don't think guys. necessarily – yeah, I'm sorry, Nick, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what were you going to say, Dan? I don't, I don't think necessarily Gettleman gets any slack for that. I mean, I just think when you're taking an IDL who does not really a pass rusher like Lawrence is – and we do agree Lawrence is a better – is a really good pass rusher for his size. And he does have – pretty loose hips and he moves really well for somebody his size but again that's relative to his size he's ultimately not the next Aaron Donald when it comes to pass rushing I don't even think he offers the same pass rushing upside as BJ Hill to be completely honest so no, you're taking not. somebody like that at 17 you just have to note that like the it's you're gonna hit that pick when you t- it's just like if you take a running back in the first round you're gonna hit he's gonna be a good quality player at his position the question just becomes how much does he help you win and what did you What's the opportunity cost to use an early pick on somebody who is not really impacting the pass as much as as? Oh no, of course. I just player. I just want it to be known that it's not like he passed up on a healthy edge rusher. Oh no doubt. Pick yeah. to that point, it was and like listen, he didn't Lawrence really have a choice. Hit. Lawrence is a good player, so there's no. It's not. It's not a bad pick by any means. And Burns and Burns just just missed getting there, which would have been great. You hope, you hope, you hope they would have taken Burns. I had Burns as the sixth best player in that class, so I was hoping. Well, no, was well, really at, least, at least if they didn't, he could be blamed for that. Then, <laughs> yeah. All sure. right, thanks, guys. Take thanks care, for Don. Us, Dom. But that's all we have tonight, ladies and gentlemen. There's no more speakers. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Dan, you want to tell them where to find us? Yeah, you can find us all on Twitter. You know where to find us there. Our handles there. You can find us on Instagram at NY Big Blue Banter there. And otherwise, have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you guys soon.